Hello, listeners. This is All the Miles Mattered, the story of Largo, Lado, and the challengers to those dynasty programs of the 1970s and 1980s in cross country in Florida. I'm Neil Amato, and I'm glad that you're coming along for the run. I said the show was about the challengers to Largo and Lado. That's true for this episode, but the challenger focused on today was an unseen one for the Packers and coach Brent Haley. We're leaving the flat, hot courses of Florida for a faraway state. One that is so different from the Sunshine State that both 40 years ago and in this current cross-country season, 2023, the schedule for the state meet had to be altered because of a predicted snowstorm in October. So it's going to be hilly. You could say it has some peaks and valleys, some cold moments, and warm memories. Again, thanks for coming along for the run. In cross country, when you see an amazing champion complete an undefeated season, breaking scoring records and course records all along the way, you might say something like, what a team, what an amazing team. Those words, or some variation of them, were undoubtedly uttered about Largo in the fall of 1983. If you watched that team closely then, or if you studied the results years later, Looking through coaches' booklets, old newspaper articles, and scrapbooks with clippings about postal meets, you'd still say it about the Packers of 40 seasons ago. What a team. The performance of the 1983 Largo cross-country team is one of the main reasons this show, All the Miles Mattered, exists. Here's a primer for those just hearing about 1983 Largo. 83, we 15 at conference, we 15 at districts. No one's beating that 83 team. There's just no way, okay? And that was the year we were number one in the nation. I started off varsity, but I ended up on JV because we were so packed. If you look at that picture, it looks like the perfect race. In the fall of 1983, I was 13 years old, and I got a new term from my friend, Brent Haley, the younger one. He used 15 as a verb when telling me about the results of a cross-country meet. Here's what he said. We 15'd them. The we in this case was the cross-country team at Largo High School. Brent's dad was the coach. And Largo indeed 15'd the other teams. First, on October 27, 1983, at the Pinellas County Conference meet at Crescent Lake in St. Pete. Remember that low score wins in cross country, and if your team's top five runners go one, two, three, four, five, you get 15 points. Now, Brent may have said it twice because it actually happened two consecutive weeks in postseason competition. The first was in the conference meet, the next was in the district meet the following week, and then in the region meet one week before the state meet, Largo scored 17 points. That was a pretty impressive postseason run for the Packers, who went on to be undefeated state champions. If that team was on their A game, I don't think anybody could beat us in Florida. 
If you didn't know from his speech two episodes ago, that's the voice of Coach Brent Haley. Going back to that phrase, what a team. It means something else, at least to me. That summation can apply to teams that fall short of podium finishes. As long as the members of that team knew, they gave it all they had and were in it together. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the success of Largo, about the shared national recognition with a team from North Dakota. I'm also going to talk about the photo of that perfect race. It's an amazing moment in time, true cross-country perfection, a moment in which those runners were able to overcome the strife of that season together. Largo in 1983 was a great team on paper, in pictures, in articles, and in that little type called agate on the sports scoreboard pages. But 1983 Largo's outwardly spotless season had hidden blemishes. It had fractures. That year, you know, I could definitely see clicks or divisions. For this episode of the show, I'm going to talk about the successes, but also the blemishes. Largo deserved all the glory it got that year. It was constantly chasing a score of 15. The Packers were the undisputed best team in state and the postal meet national champion among all the states. I'll have more about Largo's dominance in meets such as the Florida State Invitational, which had 26 other teams, none of which came within 100 points of the Packers that day, and about that postal race in a bit. In 2009, Largo was named co-national champion by the website Milesplit with the 1983 team from North Dakota's Mandan High School. More about that team's runners and their coach is also coming up. Where did my quest for information about a team 2,000 miles from Largo take me? Well, let's just say I spent more than a few hours searching the archives of the Bismarck Tribune and hopelessly dialing numbers from the 701 area code. Your call cannot be completed and dialed. Here are a few facts about the Packers from their undefeated, essentially unchallenged season 40 years ago. They had two individual state champions in track, but neither was the top runner on the cross-country team. Kurt Backman had won the mile in the 1983 track season, competing for Class 3A Gainesville Buholes. Again, that was the previous spring. Carl Moeller was the state two-mile track champ in 1982 for Class A Northside Christian. Moeller ran at Largo his final two seasons, and Backman moved to Largo with his father before Kurt's senior year. The top runner for Largo that cross-country season was mainstay Chris Palmer. Largo opened the season in 1983 with four runners crossing the finish line first at the Astronaut Invitational in Titusville. Those four runners, Chris Palmer, John Brennan, Kurt Backman, Carl Moeller. There's a newspaper photo from Florida Today, and I have that photo that I'll share to the show's Facebook page, All the Miles Mattered, and also to my Instagram, neil.amato. It's a classic newspaper photo. They actually have a finishing tape held up, and the runners are crossing the line pretty much simultaneously. Number one runner, Palmer, set the 5K course record at the Florida State Invitational in September, running 15.03. 
That time, to this day, remains the Largo school record in the event. He was All-State in cross-country four times. Palmer, Moeller, Backman, John Brennan, and Matt Farnan all went on to run collegiately. Brennan joined Palmer at Troy State. Moeller ran for Northeastern University in Boston. Farnan ran at Florida State and Backman for a season at LSU. Also in that 83 cross-country season, Largo ran a time of 47 minutes, 26 seconds in a postal meet at Rival Lado. A postal meet, again, is a timed two-mile on-the-track competition. You add up the two-mile times of your top five runners, and that is your time. That time of 47.26 was number one in the nation that season among teams that submitted a postal time. Again, how you submitted it back then was through the mail. That's why it was called a postal. Here's Largo's Chris Palmer. I knew forever that they would mail in and compare times. And it happened every year, but I never remember hearing a result. So I never felt like it was some sort of measuring stick that would have a a large impact. I think it was more just like getting a pulse. That postal meet was under the lights at Lado, October 20th, 1983. It's interesting. One of the first things people remember every time I bring up the race is that they weren't really big fans of the surface at Lado. We were in Lado, and they had that hard track. We were running on that asphalt track of Lado. It's at Lado. It's a horrible track. was back then, you know. So it wasn't a very comfortable two miles. Do you remember running a postal meet at Lado against them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I was I was watching all those guys fly around the track, so. But you were in the race, too, right? Yeah, and I ran like 930s, but, I mean, they had Kurt and Chris both ran, what, the 915, 917, and I think. Can you, like, envision that race? Like, Yeah, we ran it, and, and you know, we were running on that asphalt track of, of late, though, so it wasn't a very comfortable two miles, and, and I don't know what it is about two miles. I mean, I could run a mile, and and a half mile and, you know, be with anybody and then even the three miles. But that two mile just was a mental thing for me. I couldn't run around that stupid track for eight laps. It was awful. Chris Duggan of Lado was not the only runner who mentioned a dislike for the track two mile to me. He finished second in the state meets 800 meters twice, his sophomore and senior seasons. And of course, he was part of Lado's first state cross country championship in 1982. One runner who somewhat surprisingly was part of Largo's top five times at the postal meet that day was Tim Russell, who, because of Matt Farnan transferring in from Seminole and Kurt Backman moving from Gainesville, didn't get many varsity opportunities in 1983. Russell was often in JV races for Largo. That was similar to Rodney Boatwright. Up until that point, you know, myself and Rodney, pretty much exclusively JV races. Coach threw us in this one. And um, up until that, that was a PR for me at that point in time. That's the first time I'd ever broken 10. Again, that was Tim Russell. The times from that postal meet were then sent in by mail to a guy in Florissant, Missouri, who compiled the national list. That guy, Bob Beck, according to my research, was trying to carry on the tradition of running magazine track and field news. Largo was told in early 1984 that it had the best time in the nation for the previous fall ahead of two teams from San Jose in California. The postal craze died down not long after that, but it was resurrected in digital form about 10 years ago. Largo's time has stood the test of time, 
in numerous recent years, but not every year, it would have been the fastest in the country. One of the reasons Largo was strong that season, again, was the addition of Kurt Backman, who came to Largo for his senior season. Backman was a standout speed skater in upstate New York when he was younger, and before moving to Florida, he at one time held the national record for 14-year-olds for the 10K run. Backman brought talent. He also brought a change in the team dynamic. Here's Largo's John Brennan, followed by Carl Moeller. I mean, Kurt was antagonistic. He's a nice guy, but he was kind of very competitive, and he would antagonize other runners. I mean, he would, you know, have nicknames for people, like he'd call Chris Kermit, Kermit the Frog, and he'd call me Egghead. For me, it hurt a little bit because I had friends that, you know, didn't necessarily like each other and trying to get together to events and hang out, do things, and they didn't necessarily come together, maybe, uh, because of some of those conflicts. Now back to that postal meet, the times that day were Palmer, 914, Backman, 915, Brennan, 931, Moeller, 934. Lato's Duggan broke the string of Largo runners with an official time of 940. Tim Russell was next at 952, followed by teammates Rodney Boatwright and Tim Marion. In episode 10 of the show, Boatwright gave listeners his recall of that race, complete with sound effects. It was funny when I first heard it, and I'm going to play it again. But then you're going to hear Chris Palmer's recall of the 914 he ran that day, a time that was faster than the winning time the following spring at the state track meets two mile. We were in Lado, and they had that hard track. And I don't know who told Chris Palmer to wear spikes. He was probably feeling the pressure from Kurt, and he wanted to have an advantage over him. Running two miles on that hard track, all you heard when Chris Palmer came by was, <laughs> and Kurt Backman was right behind him. And no matter how many moves Kurt Backman tried to put on Chris Palmer, he found a way to, to dig those spikes in, <laughs> and he won it. Chris ran a 9.13, and Kurt ran a 9.15 or something like that. Largo's top two runners pushed each other. In their comments to newspaper writers, they talked a good game about that competition. But looking back, Palmer takes a different view. I hate admitting this, but it wasn't great in 83. There was just this cancer that ran through the team. And I think it was just this hyper-competitiveness that happened. I think Kurt coming in, being a 3A state champion, and I think he was some sort of national champion in skating as a kid. He was just a really driven guy. He brought all that driven... And those big goals of wanting to be a 405 miler. And, and it was so individually focused that it just created the opposite of everything we've been taught and trained and coached on for years. We always heard that you work together, work together, work together, pack, everything. And, and it was true. I remember I ran better when I focused on working with my teammates than any time when I worked alone. But that year it just felt like a bunch of individuals that I'd never had anything like that before. It was hard, and I just remember at the Postal, I just, I just didn't want the guy to beat me. And I can't believe I'm saying that about my own teammate, but it's the truth. It was just, it was so hard so many times because of that focus on one instead of all. I remember coming around these corners with him on my shoulder, and I just didn't want him to get the best of me. And it's hard to admit that, but it's the truth. A week after that Postal meet, at the conference meet, Thursday, October 27th, 1983, 
Largo recorded an exceedingly rare score of 15. Again, that's the perfect score in cross country, and the Packers had five runners coming across the line in 15 minutes, 26 seconds. That's the moment that became the main photo for this show, one that's on stickers and even on a t-shirt. That picture sticks in my brain. That race was not as well covered by newspapers as some other races in that era. I believe in large part because the writers knew who was going to win and also because the conference meet isn't part of the qualification for the state meet. The next week's meet, the district meet, was part of that qualification process. And so this race was basically for the trophy case. One newspaper photographer did show up that day, and that photographer got the shot that became the cover image. The first time that photo ran in the paper, in the October 28th Clearwater Sun, there was no credit, no name as part of the photo caption information. That would be like an article not having a byline. It was only when the Clearwater Sun ran the image again two weeks later, as part of its preview coverage of the region meet, did it credit the photographer Jim Damask. I was able to track down Damask, and he spoke to me a little bit uh, about that time period. He doesn't specifically recall the race, but again, it was 40 years ago, so what do I expect? You know, I'm talking to the writers, finding out who the favorites were. I'm sure there was that kind of conversation, but I don't remember it. They would cover sports, and I would cover everything. So, you know, we did a lot of sports, especially uh, high school sports back then. I don't think they do as much with it now in the papers. Uh, He photographed a lot of events, but he does remember that during his time with the Clearwater paper and later the St. Petersburg Times, that Crescent Lake was a place he liked to take pictures. It was kind of a, it was a nice place to, to shoot. You know, you could see all the way around it. A few weeks back, I talked to coach Leon House. He's the coach of the North Dakota team I mentioned earlier. He's got some similarities to Coach Haley. For one thing, he's lived in the same location for many, many years. Born, bred, and raised in North Dakota, and uh, and Mandan, born, bred, and raised. And I didn't venture out very much. For another, his name is on the track at the sports complex in town where the football team plays its games and where runners get together to do 400-meter repeats. He coached teams to multiple state championships in cross country in the 1980s. His boys' team won three titles in a row, 1981, 82, and 83, the first three seasons that House was the cross-country coach at the school. He also coached multiple state title teams on the girls' side. Here's part of the conversation I had with Coach House. I know it was a long time ago, but uh, that was in 83 specifically. That was your third, I think, consecutive state title. Um, What do you recall about that team? Well, that team, when we started... My assistant coach and I started in 81, and we just happened to hit a group of hardworking kids, 81, 82, 83, and 84. We won 81, 82, and 83. We were second in 84. In 81, 82, and 83, what it really boiled down to is hard work. They just were hardworking kids, and they understood the philosophy of being the best that you can be, and that was our philosophy as coaches. We just want you to go out and work hard to be the best runner that you can be, and whatever place you get, that's what you get. But You're not going to get anything without hard work. So, yeah, we were lucky. We were fortunate to to have uh, 1983. And I had all my sons, I had three sons and a daughter that ran cross country over the years. And our, my oldest son was on that 81, 82 
uh, championship and uh, the other one was on in 83. So, yeah, 83 was um, what I remember about those kids is how hard they worked. And uh, what we did back then, they couldn't do today. That's just my opinion because we worked them hard and uh, it paid off for them. And they, they bought into the program. They bought in with, and they, they hurt every practice they hurt afterwards. What you're supposed to do. I mean, this if you don't hurt after practice, then you didn't work very hard. And they bought into that. And, uh, you know, we knew talk about a workout in which you want uh, the day after a meet and we want a nice, easy run. Well, there's no such thing to those kids. I mean, they competed against each other and, and they were friends. And they and that's why they were successful because we had our practice and then after supper, a lot of them would go out and they didn't get enough. They wanted to go out and do a nice uh, cool down. Well, it doesn't turn out to be a cool down. It turns out to be competitive cool down. And that's why they, they, they were, I mean, we won by quite, and I'm not bragging, but we were distant. Except in 1981, our first year being involved with this uh, North Dakota High School Cross Country. We beat a team that had won three state championship teams in a row, Wilson, and we beat them by one point. And that was probably the, the most satisfying victory that I can give you out of all the teams that I had over the 21 years that we coached. They came back the last uh, mile, and they knew we were behind, and they just picked it up. It was, it was uh, exciting for us being our first year and then we won a state championship my first year so and it's just wow you know uh success breeds breeds success you know kids want to be where they they can make a difference and kids want to be where there's a winner and where they worked hard you know you believe it or not and it wasn't all of them there was some that you know we always told them that uh there's a pressure line here that you have to get through and those that never reach that line are not very successful. Those that reach the line, they're going to be there all the time. They're not going to get any better, but they got to the line. Those that break through that pressure line, you know, that they put on themselves, and that they're also the ones that are really successful, and they, they believe that, and that's uh, why they were successful. He had good runners for sure. Darren Bame, David Michael, Gary Schaefer, Mark Undershear and Jim Skade were the top five in 1983. Those guys were untouchable that year, the same way the 81 and 82 Mandan teams went undefeated. And, as Coach House mentioned, they were a team. I've done more research on this, and the Braves' number five runner didn't really come close to their top two or three runners, the way Largo's sometimes did. They didn't have a five-across moment the way Largo did, or even a four-across moment the way Largo did to open the season at the Astronaut Invitational. I think it's pretty clear that Largo had a more dominating season. I also think that Tim Russell put it really well when I asked about trying to compare Largo's results with those from Mandan. If they'd have come to Florida, we would have crushed them because of the weather. If we went up there, I don't know, dude. But if they had to come down here in November or even early December after the state meet and uh, run in 85 degrees, we did a nine, we did 15. We're going to take a break to go back in the archives and play some classic 1983 TV commercials. Consider this intermission. We'll be right back. While Atari keeps trying to sell you new systems like the 5200, with ColecoVision, you only need one system. Sorry, Atari. 
Is it live or is it Memorex? Advanced tickets on sale is all Ticketmaster outlets. Be there, another Allied Sports production. Tom Cruise is Stefan Georgievich. He's only got one chance. A chance to make all the right moves. Rated R. Check newspapers for selected theaters. Next, I'm going to share a short part of my conversation with Tim Marion, who that season hovered between number five, number six, and number seven for Largo on the varsity. Remember in cross country that you compete with seven runners and your score is determined by your first five to finish. Tim's older brother, Kevin, also ran the day of that perfect 15 at Crescent Lake. So to me, that photo, more than any other image, sums up Largo dominance. Yes, uh, dominance and teamwork. Um, I'm a huge fan of teamwork because, I mean, obviously cross country is a team sport. You have to rely on at least four other runners to score. So the camaraderie of your fellow teammates in reference to that meet right there where those four guys were by far way better than I was took the time and ability to run a race with you to make you be better and achieve a goal that we were trying to achieve for that day. And that was to have the top five places, get a perfect score, win conference. We just wanted to get 15, and we did. You can see and identify six runners when you focus on that photo, five for Largo and one in the back from Countryside. The five across for Largo that day, from left to right, John Brennan, Tim Marion, Kurt Backman, Carl Moeller, and Chris Palmer. And then in the back, the countryside runner who finished sixth that day was a freshman named Roger Letchworth. Letchworth, if you heard episode 11 of the show, you know that he was a standout for countryside. Uh, He passed away in 2019. I could not talk to him about the race. And I also could not talk to one Largo runner. I had not said this before, but Kurt Backman, who's in the center of the photo, looking at teammate Tim Marion, encouraging him. Kurt Backman died in the summer of 2022. He was 56. This, again, is Largo's Carl Muller. I don't know. You can look at that picture of the race, and it looks like uh, Kurt's pretty excited to, to see Tim there. So I would say, you know, looking back, dynamic probably changed a little bit although i didn't have that much experience there yet you know i was only there for a year so you know maybe things changed when i came too but and yet what a team still had meaning many years later when kurt backman told a small group of friends in 2019 that he had liver cancer it was those largo teammates who organized a gofundme for medical expenses it was largo guys the same ones who mentioned his antagonism They were the ones trying to mend fences with Kurt's son, who, after his parents' divorce, wasn't talking to his dad. It was Largo guys who showed up to Bay Pines National Cemetery in August 2022 for the service in which Kurt Backman was buried. You can still say, what a team. I'm going to say one more thing about comparing the Florida 4A state champion in 1983 and the North Dakota Class A champion in 1983. And here it is. As John Brennan said, it's tough to know where to start. I have a few places, 
you can look at race results from the large invitationals. The standard distance in Florida for cross country was three miles, but Largo did actually run a 5K race that year, and that's one way to compare because in North Dakota they ran 5Ks. Again, a 5K is 3.1 miles. Largo ran that distance at the FSU Invitational in Tallahassee in late September. Again, it was a 27-team Invitational. Largo had 26 points. Second place, Winter Park, had 134. I don't care about the hills. What I'm talking about is the actual dominance versus the other programs. Largo's times on a somewhat hilly 5K course, 1503, 1520, 1521, 1543, 1553. About a week or two later in the season at the Quarterback Club Invitational in Bismarck, I've seen the pictures from the Mandan team was first with 39 points in an 11-team invitational. The first-place finisher in the race was not a Mandan runner. His name was Jeff Dick of Jamestown. He ran 15:49, a course record. The nearest Mandan finisher was about 40 seconds behind. So Mandan's finishes were 16:26, 16:32, 16:38, 17 minutes even. And then the fifth-place guy whose time was unavailable but he was definitely four places behind 17 minutes and 15 seconds. I think our number 18 guy ran 17 minutes. That was Largo's John Brennan. I guess there was also an article or something that said we were the number one, but I, I, I mean, it's just one of those things. How do you, how do you make that determination? Here's one other way to compare. Mandan was the best team in a state that in 1983 had about 677,000 people. Largo was the top team in a state with 10.75 million people. And in 83, we were really good. No matter where those teams stacked up against each other, the guys on the Largo side can say that for the most part, they really enjoyed being part of that team. A group of them got together for dinner just a few months back in the summer, and it was that group that was the impetus for the Largo reunion in mid-September. They are still a team. Here again, John Brennan and Carl Moeller. The intensity of the workouts is at a different level than even in college. I mean, so I think we really we trained hard. For me, I, I loved to run and the endorphins and everything. So I needed it probably more than it needed me. It's a special feeling when you know you're good and you can perform at a certain level. As you reflect back on it, it was amazing. And, you know, we were all good runners and motivated and committed and and all that. Were any of us great superstars? I don't know. In my mind, we were all having fun doing it and for the most part, uh, got along really well. That's my takeaway. I think it's cool. And I thought it was cool being able to run that fast then and, and enjoyed it and would give anything to be able to do that again, make it around the block without my knee hurting or, you know, whatever now. And I'm overjoyed, but um, it was a good feeling and a good time. After I talked to Coach House, I texted him a few links I thought he'd want to see. I also sent him the picture of the Largo Top 5 at Crescent Lake, letting him know that the Crescent Lake moment happened the same weekend 40 years ago that his team won its third consecutive state title. His response by text, wow, that was quite a team. It would have been fun to run against them. Indeed, it would have been. Thanks for coming along for the run.